Well, late one night she started to cry and thought he ain't coming home. She was tired of the lies, tired of the fight, but she didn't want to see him go. She fell on her knees and said, I haven't prayed since I was young. But Lord above, I need a miracle. Have you ever been there in your life where literally you would say, I need a miracle? I need a miracle right now. I need someone from up above. I need somebody to help me. I need things to change in my life like this second. And so you did something maybe for the first time in your life, because I know this is how some people do this for the first time. You prayed. For the first time in your life, in your greatest moment of desperation, you prayed. 
and you ask God or whatever is up there to help you. And maybe that help came and maybe that help didn't. But what is true for all of us, when we need a miracle to happen in our life, something beyond our capacity, something that is humanly impossible, oftentimes, even those who don't believe in God will oftentimes go vertical and pray to whatever is up there. And they don't realize that they're talking to God, but they're calling out and asking God for help. Because every one of us at some point in our life has been at the place where we needed a miracle. And that's a human experience. And that's what this series is about. Is there a way to unlock the miracles of God in your life? Is there a way to implore God to move his heart on your behalf? Is it possible to make the promises of God come to reality in your life? Is there a way to pray your dreams into existence? A way to grab hold of the future and the opportunities that God has waiting for you and a way to make them become a reality? Well, let me just tell you, I believe that there is. And over the course of the three weeks of this series, you're going to know how. You're going to know where to go to start beginning to move the heart of God. And I'll just tell you, if you're here searching for God, because I know every week we have people here that aren't quite sure about the Jesus thing, haven't quite crossed the line of faith. I just want to tell you that what you are going to be praying for, your miracle that you're looking for is, is, is revelation. You want to know, you want God to reveal himself to you so you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is who he says he is, and that you can have faith in him. And that's what I'm excited about. If you're here and you've never really prayed that prayer, you've never crossed the line of faith, and you're seeking God, I believe over these three weeks you're going to get to know who he is, and I believe he will reveal himself to you. So let me just reveal this series to you. While it's simple, it's incredibly profound, because not very many of us do what we're going to be teaching about in this series. At the heart of this series is prayer. That's the heart of this series. And it's not a simple prayer. It's not a just pray these few words and and, and that's what we're going to focus on. It's actually learning how to pray in such a way that God's promises to you become active and alive in your life on a regular basis. So let me pray for us before we jump into the rest of the day. Dear Lord, thank you that you hear our prayers. Dear Lord, thank you that when we speak and we address you, that you hear us every single time. God, I pray right now that you would teach us something new this morning. God, open our eyes, open our hearts, open our ears. Help us to hear you, hear your voice as you speak back to us as we talk to you. And God, I just pray. I ask for your power to fill this room. I ask that you would open up our ears and hearts so that you might drive truth deep down in our bones that might actually change our very lives because you're teaching us a new way to pray. In your holy name, amen. Now, this series is actually from a book called The Circle Maker um, by Mark Batterson. If you are a reader, I would suggest you get on Amazon, order this book, and uh, start reading it. I read it a number of years ago, and I've never forgotten it, to be honest with you. In fact, it's uh, years ago I wrote up this series based on this book because of how impactful it was, and we just never have had the opportunity to do it. Um, but I want to start with a story that is not found in the Bible, but it's found in what's called the Talmud. Um, in ancient Jewish literature, you have the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible written by Moses, and then you have the Talmud, which is an ancient book of Jewish rabbinic law and discussions about the Torah. It's like a commentary and an application of the Torah. There's a fascinating story in there about a rabbi named Honi, H-O-N-I, in the first century B.C., 
a devastating drought was, um, was all over the land of Israel's threatening to destroy the generation of Israelites before Jesus. Dire circumstances. The last time God had spoken to people was 400 years earlier. God was so distant that no one could remember the last miracle that God had even done on behalf of the Jewish people. But there was one man who still dared to pray as if God would still do miracles. Even though God was silent, his name was Honey. He believed that God could still hear their prayers. And so the people of Israel, before thousands of them started to die because of this, this drought, they turned to Honey and say, Honey, would you go to God on behalf of us? So Honey, with his six-foot staff, stood in the dirt where the people had gathered, which, of course, with the drought that they had had, everything was dirt, by the way, um, stood in the dirt, and he drew a circle around himself. Complete circle, finished the circle, and then this is what he prayed. As he got down on his knees, he said, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy on your children. And it wasn't what he prayed that sent a shiver down the spines of everybody that heard him. It was the authority of his tone because there was not a hint of doubt in what he was praying about. And then it happened, the light rain began to fall, and the people started celebrating and turning their heads upward because rain was falling after months and months and months of nothing. But Honey, what's interesting, he wasn't done. He prayed over their celebration. He said, not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. And in the story, the rain almost immediately became torrential, like grape-sized raindrops started falling down so much that flash floods started coming, and people had to retreat to the Temple Mount where the temple was built because it was raining so hard. So Honey prays again, and he says, not for such rain have I prayed. He's like, okay, God, that's not what I meant. Like, turn it down a little bit. But I pray for the rain of your favor, blessing and graciousness. And then the rain steadies and it's a calm and peaceful, steady rain. And literally thousands of lives are saved. So Honey, of course, becomes a hometown hero um, and because of the lives saved. And it was said that before that time, it was difficult to believe and pray because God had been so silent for so long. But after that day, it was difficult not to believe and pray. And so Honey, the circle maker, was born. And prayer circles were born as a testament to the power of a single prayer to change the course of history. And so let me just tell you this. There is nothing that God loves more than keeping his promises. There is nothing that God loves more than answering prayers. There's nothing that God loves more than performing miracles and fulfilling dreams. That is who God is. That is what he does, which means God is still looking for circle makers like Honey. People who will draw circle, circles around what they are praying for and then pray like their life depended on it. God's still looking for people like that. So I want to talk about your prayer life in this series. We're going to talk about your prayer life. What's it like? What's your prayer life like? Do you have a prayer life? Do you know how to pray? And I want to challenge and encourage you to change your prayer life, deepen your prayer life, and maybe even become a circle maker yourself. And so I want to start with three truths that if I believe if I could, I'll just put it this way. 
If I could make you believe something, which I can't, right? But if I could force you to believe something, if I could force something deep into your bones so that you, you it's just a fact, you don't have to think about it, you just know it because you believe it. Um, there's, there's just some there's three truths I want to share at the beginning of this message before I get into like three ways to pray. There's three things that you've got to know that I want you to believe that is a foundation of a relationship with God and a foundation to praying differently. Because over the three weeks, I want to teach you to pray differently in your life. And I believe that will change the course of your life and change the trajectory of your life. But here's, first of all, the truth that I would love for you to just know and believe beyond a shadow of a doubt. And that is this. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. You have notes in your program. I would love for you to write some of this stuff down. If you need a pen, raise your hand. The ushers will bring them to you. If you need a note card, because some of this stuff you need to write down because it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget that God loves you because this world is hard. And I'll just tell you this. I'll make it really simple. Um, He proved it already. He doesn't have to prove to you that he loves you. He already proved it. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. And this is what you have to know. If you were the only one that needed it, He would have sent his son to die on the cross for you. It wasn't like suddenly there were so many sinners and there's like this number on the wall. Oh man, five billion time to go to earth and die. Like that's not what happened. For one sinner, Jesus would have given up his life. Why? Because he loves even one sinner that much, which means he loves you. If I could make you believe that, I would make you believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Second thing I would love to make you believe, because so many people doubt, it's this, that God is for you. God is for you. So let me just ask you, do you believe that? Do you believe that God is for you? Unfortunately, the church, people like me, have done a really good job at teaching that God is mad at you, right? That God is, is, uh, he is looking at you with disdain. He's looking at you with disappointment. And I will just say this. Who wants to follow a God like that? That every morning God wakes up and just is disappointed. Is just looking at you and going. The real picture we find in scripture is that God is absolutely for you. He's in your corner. He's pulling for you. He's on your side. He's been for you since the day you were born. And I know some of you doubt that. That's why you're here today. You're here for that one sentence, that God is for you, because you need to learn to believe that, that God is on your side. He's cheering for you. He's opining for you. He's wanting to save you. He's pulling for you. He is for you. Jesus said it himself. John three seventeen. God sent his son into the world, not to, what is that word? Judge. Not to condemn, not to punish the world, but to save, love, redeem the world through him. God loves you. God is actually for you. Which gets me to this third profound truth that I want you to believe in your bones, and that is this. God is ready and waiting to bless you. God is ready and waiting to fulfill his promises in your life. God is ready and waiting to act on your behalf. God is ready and waiting to see you thrive, to see you win, to see you become more than you are. And so the question is, could it be that you are one prayer away? from a dream fulfilled? Could it be that you're one prayer away from a promise kept, one prayer away from a miracle actually performed on your behalf because God is ready and waiting with anticipation and expectation to partner with you to show you how much he loves you? So how do we partner with him? How do we unlock those promises and blessings? How do we do our part so that God can do his part? Well, you begin to draw circles around the things that you want God to do in your life. Just like Honey did. You start drawing circles and saying, I'm going to pray this through. 
There's an amazing story in the book of Joshua over a thousand years before Honey in the Old Testament. Um, it involves circles. God had promised the Israelites that they were going to, he's going to give them the promised land. And as you guys know, Moses uh, went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh didn't for, for a while and then he let them go. And then they go into the wilderness and they wander for 40 years because they were disobedient to some things God had asked them to do. And then finally, it's time for the over two million Israelites to enter into the promised land. There was one problem. They had to go through this, the town of Jericho to get to the promised land. When they get to the town of Jericho, God told them before they got there, hey, you need to go through Jericho. You need to take Jericho. And by the way, I've already given it to you. So he tells them that before they get there. They get there. Here's the problem. The city has 50 foot walls, six feet wide at the base. um, And the people have closed the gate to keep out the Israelites. So God tells Joshua, he says, gather the army and march around the city walls. And this is what he says for six days. I want you to march around the city one time in complete silence and then go back to your camp for six days. And then on the seventh day, I want you to march around the city of Jericho seven times with your army of 40,000 troops. And after the seventh time, I want the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant to blow the horn. And when they blow the horn, you scream at the top of your lungs and the walls are going to fall down. That's what he tells Joshua. So Joshua starts this going on day one. And you can imagine the army going, what the heck are we doing? Like, Let's just go take the city. Come on, Joshua. But they're being obedient. So they sure, they march around in complete silence day one. They do day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. Day seven gets there. And they're going, oh, seven's a lot. And they go all seven times. When they hit the end of the seventh one, the priests blow the horn. The entire 40,000 person army screams at the top of their lungs. And the walls of Jericho crumble. And the army rushes in from all sides and takes the city just like that. It was a flat-out miracle. And so here's the question that you've got to be asking yourself, especially today. What is your Jericho? What's your Jericho? What in your life do you need God to do some heavy lifting? You need him to come through for you. You need him to show up in a powerful way. See, for the Israelites, Jericho symbolized the fulfillment of a dream that originated with Abraham. It was the first step in claiming the promised land. It was a 400-year-old promise that God was coming through on. It seemed insurmountable, fully fortified city, nobody getting in, yet it was the key to the gateway of the promised land. So what is your Jericho? What do you need God to show up in a powerful way to knock the walls down? So that you can move forward into living in his promises. If you have, I'll just, give you, I'll just give you a few. Drawing prayer circles starts with identifying your Jericho. If you have cancer, your Jericho is called healing. If you have a child that's far from God, it's called salvation. If your marriage has fallen apart, it's called reconciliation. If you have a vision beyond your resources, it's called provision. If you're here checking out this God thing, it's called revelation. You need God to reveal himself to you. If you're stuck in your career, it's called direction. If you struggle with depression, it's called hope and joy that you need to circle in prayer. If you're stuck without a career, it's called opportunity. If you're in debt, it's a dollar figure that you need to get you out of debt. Maybe it's a zip code that you feel called to reach for Jesus. I'm just telling you, I want our community to become a church. I want our church to become a church that's full of circle makers. 
who identify the Jerichos in their life and, and circle them in prayer and see miracles happen among us so that almost every week you're hearing a miracle of God because of the prayer circles that have been drawn and the way that people have prayed. And so what I want to do is I want to take the rest of our time. I want to give you three ways to pray that will build your faith and move God's heart. Because we want God to move on our behalf, don't we? I do. I need God to move on my behalf. Man, I, I make a mess of plenty of things. I need God's help for the things in my life. And so if you need a miracle in your life, this is how you should pray. There's three um, ways that I'm going to teach you to pray today that if you will start praying, I believe you'll start seeing God move in unique and different ways than he has in, in your past. And the first way that you should pray is you need to pray boldly. Pray boldly. Why? Because bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. Don't you love that? Bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. What are prayers? Prayers are sometimes prophecies. They're the best predictor of your spiritual future. From a Christian worldview, who you become is determined by how you pray. So we can approach God boldly. Hebrews 4.16. So let us come. What is that word? Okay, let's say that a little more boldly. Um, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to, what is that word? Help us when we need it most. To help us when we need it most. And I'll just tell you, I remember the first time I read this book, it was an, uh, a few times, a few years ago, like I told you, we were actually looking for a place for the Kensington offices and uh, we were doing a finance campaign called Everyone and we had found a space up in what's called the Tri-City Center at 50 and Dillard. It was an 8,000 square foot place. There used to be a, a supermarket in there and it had been empty for like a year and a half, uh, coming up on two years. And uh, we were in talks with the owner to get a good price and we were, uh, it, the owner wasn't really interested in the church going into that space. Um, we were talks with the city. Um, the city wasn't really excited about a church going into that space. We were getting resistance there. And Ann Quist was our uh, architect. She was working with the city to get that done. But I really felt like um, like God wanted us to be there. Like I know the owner didn't really want us there. The city didn't really want us there. But I felt like God wanted us to be there. And so I went over to the Tri-City Center um, early one morning. I believe it was like a 6.30, 7 o'clock deal. I went over there and I drew my pr first prayer circle of my life. Um, I actually, uh, I, I did the Jericho thing. Um, I walked around the entire Tri-City Center seven times. Um, about two in, I was really hating my decision to do seven. <laughs> but I did seven laps around the Tri-City Center, and I just prayed. I prayed out loud. I said, God, give us this space. Make it affordable. Knock the walls down. Anything keeping us away from it, knock the walls down. Keep the, be with the city. Open the city's hearts. Open the city's mind. Um, you know, and I did that for seven laps around the building, just praying out loud and just drawing my first circle, just going, okay, Jared Joshua did it with his troops and you knock the walls down. Maybe you'll do the same thing for me. Um, and then later that week, I did it again. I only did once that time, though. I'm like, I quit the seven. That was done. And then one time, I was good. Um, I just I circled it once later on that week. And every time it came to mind, uh, almost every week for the next two months, I went over there and I walked around that building. I drew a circle around and I just said, God, would you please um, give us this place and just pray and pray and pray and pray. And after two months of work, the city came back and said, nope, we're not going to let you in there because of parking. There's, it's not a deal. And as soon as the city said no, the owner said no. And the, the lady that I was working with, Carolyn, she just said, I'm sorry, it's a no. And I'm like, is there anything we can do? And she's like, nope. And I was like so disappointed because I'm like, I walked miles for this, God. 
So we just started looking elsewhere. We started going out and finding other buildings, and and uh, we we had another deal like three or four months later, um, you know, with a place in Ocoee. And I was still just praying, God, show us where to go. Obviously, I was wrong, and I walked all those miles for nothing. Um, and so uh, the the Ocoee thing falls through like three or four months later, and we have zero places to go. We had kind of narrowed our scope. We dropped it to like thirty five hundred, four thousand square feet. We were going to say, okay, let's not do eight thousand because we couldn't find anything. We dropped it down to four. And so when the Ocoee deal fell through. I was just sitting there. I'm like, well, I might as well call the Tri-City Center back and see if I can talk them into maybe they'll cut the space in half, right? Like, I don't know. So I call Carolyn, and I'm like, hey, Carolyn, this is Kevin Valentine. Do you remember me? And she's like, oh, I remember you. <laughs> I didn't know whether that was good or bad. Um, and I just said, I said, Carolyn, um, would you guys be interested in cutting that space in half maybe and just renting us 4,000 square feet, get lease of that to us? And she goes, oh, we already did that. There's already somebody building the other 4,000 square feet, and we haven't been able to find anybody to rent the 4,000 that's left. She's like, do you guys want it? I'm like, yeah. you know. And then she's like, I guess I should have called you in the first place. I'm like, yeah, you should have. Um, but it's, it's like what's very interesting is it's not the way that I wanted. It's not what I thought would happen. But actually, God honored that original prayer circles that I drew months and months earlier, and God still gave us a place in the Tri-City Center. It was just now his way, and it was a different way than I had dreamed because God loves it when we circle things in prayer and go to him to allow him to do things for us that we can't do on our own. And I will just tell you this, from that one time of learning about praying circles around things, I have prayed circles around people. I have prayed circles. I haven't walked around people and prayed. That's weird. But I have, I have prayed circles around them, just figuratively drawn circles around them. I have prayed, I have prayed circles around um, issues in my life. I have prayed circles around my kids. Um, I have prayed boldly without a doubt that God can do it. Prayed boldly without a doubt that God can do it and that he'll answer. Even if it's a no, I believe he'll answer. So pray boldly. Why? Because bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. Second thing is pray specifically. Pray specifically. And I'll just tell you this, God does not answer vague prayers. God doesn't answer vague vague prayers. Now, I don't say that as definitive, because God can answer any prayer he wants to. But let me just illustrate it this way, and why I think it's so important to pray specific prayers. There's two blind men actually near Jericho, which is really interesting. In Matthew 20, um, Jesus is coming through, and there's two blind men that hear that Jesus is nearby. And so in Matthew 20, verse 29, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. So the crowd were very spiritual, and they rebuked them and told them to shut up. And get out of our way, okay? The, the two people that need Jesus the most. They're like, hey, pipe down over there. You're blind. You can't even see what's going on. Get over there. You know, that's kind of like how they treat them. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. So Jesus stopped and called them and says, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. Now, let's just stop and think about this. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And I'm sure everybody in the crowd is like going, duh. Like, what kind of question is that? Jesus, you know everything. Can't you see? Everybody knows they can't see. Why are you asking that question? What is he expecting? What's he expecting them to say? Uh, just give me a camel and an iPhone. I'm, I'm fine. Like, that's all I need. You know, I don't need my sight. So he just says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus knew what they needed. Why did he even ask them that question? And I just want to say this. There's something powerful and necessary about being specific with our prayers. 
There's something powerful and necessary about being specific. Jesus wanted them to say it out loud. Verse 33, Lord, they answered, we want our sight. I think one of them might have went, duh. And Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. And I'll just tell you this, I believe in that moment Jesus wanted them to say it out loud to teach us that when we pray boldly and ask God to move on our behalf, we need to be specific. We need to know what we are asking him for. And I love how Mark Batterson says it in the book. He says, if our prayers aren't specific, God gets robbed of the glory that he deserves because we second guess whether or not he actually answered them. We never know if the answers were the result of a specific prayer or general coincidence that would have happened anyways. And I'll just tell you this. If we just pray vaguely, God, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. And somehow we get out of the jam we're in. It's funny how we go, wow, that was great. What a coincidence. And we never really circle back and go, wow, God, you answered my prayer because it was so vague. But if we're specific about what we want God to do and he does it, who gets the glory? You can say it out loud. Who gets the glory then? God does. God does. So let me just ask you, what if Jesus were to ask you right now, what do you want me to do for you? What's your answer? What if Jesus right now were just sitting beside you and says, what do you want me to do for you? Do you know specifically what you want him to do? What you would be asking him for? It's important to know what to circle in our prayers. And I'll just, I'll, I'll give you, a, a, you know, a, just an, another quick story. Um, some of you know this. We're, we're really excited. Our oldest son, Garrett, um, back in September, was offered and committed to uh, play football for Brown University, um, which we're super excited about. Um, and I know some of you that really know me are saying, is that really your kid? Because <laughs> that's a smart person's school. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll just say this. It, it was his mama, okay? That's where he got the smarts. It, she, she married me. She's brilliant, right? Um, but, but, but just to show you how smart I am, and this, I'm just making fun of myself here. Whenever Garrett came home, as they met with him in September, uh, like March or April, he came home and said, Hey, I met with a coach from Brown today. I'm like thinking, Is that even a school? Like, what's that? And then I'm like, Well, yeah, well, what division is it? He's like, It's Division One. And I'm like, Well, what conference is it? And, you know, and I'm like, Oh, snap. It's like an Ivy League school. I'm like, Hey, hey, kid, you're kind of smart. Um, and so, so we ended up, we ended up going to their camp in July, right? So we go to this football camp and, uh, and, and and we get there, and literally Garrett has one of his best days on the football field at this camp. There's probably 200 kids there from all over the country, and uh, there's 12 schools there, you know, evaluating all these players. And Garrett goes out, and literally is, he doesn't drop a ball for four hours, runs some of the fastest times he's run um, in his in his life. And uh, and every coach was just sitting there going, okay, they're pulling him out of line, talking to him, give me your information and whatnot. Da 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 da. Um, and it was just awesome to watch. It was so fun, you know. I'm like, like guys, leave him alone. Let him go run more routes. This is really fun. He's doing good, you know. Quit talking to him. Um, but uh, but but he did so well that at the end of the camp, basically they came to Garrett and said, "Hey, we'd like to meet with you and your dad. The head coach would like to meet with you in his office at 3:30." And so uh, we go sit in the head coach's office, and he just says, "Hey, you were the best receiver in camp today, hands down. Nobody could cover you. You didn't drop a ball. We need players like you on our team if we're going to win here. And would you? We, we want to give you an offer, a conditional offer, to come play football for Brown. And we were just like, "Holy cow, this is awesome!" Um, conditional. 
conditional because with the Ivy Leagues, you have to get through admissions first before they can actually give you an official offer. And so we left there and we're just like, man, he's in the admissions process and they said it'll take about a week. And so we're excited because we've been praying about it, saying, yeah, God, you know, if this is what you want, da, 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 da. So, you know, a week goes by and we don't hear anything, but there's Garrett's talking to the coach like every day, texting him back and forth, the, uh, the recruiting coach. Um, you know, second week goes by, we're still haven't heard anything. And then uh, third week, like he stops responding every day and like he starts responding every two or three days. And we're like, oh man, what's going on? It should have been done by now. So I have a buddy of mine who knows the offensive coordinator at Brown. I call him and he calls the offensive coordinator and he calls me back and he said, well, he said uh, where Garrett was the number one or two receiver they had. He said, well, there's now three or four guys ahead of Garrett and they don't know what they're going to do. And it started looking like this wasn't going to happen. Like, We've been riding on the clouds for three weeks, and suddenly it's like, man, this this might not happen. And I'll just tell you, as a dad, I wanted this for Garrett. Sixth, seventh grade, he's saying, I want to play football in college, Dad. So, of course, as a dad, I want him to have his dream, right? That was his dream. Um, when we visited Brown, he fell in love with the campus. We fell in love with the school, um, the whole atmosphere. And so I, I asked him when things looked like they might not happen, because I was telling him, this is what I'm hearing. I just said, Garrett, how badly do you want to go to Brown? Like, like zero to ten. Ten being like, you really, like, it's, it's, it's you know, really want to go there, you know, zero being done. He goes, dad, it's like an eight or a nine. It might even be a 10. Like it's my dream school. And I'm just like, oh man, I really want this to happen. And so I just look at him. I said, Garrett, we need to step up our prayer game a little bit. And he's like, okay, what do we do? And so we just started praying every day. Um, and I will just tell you what we prayed for almost a month, almost every night, Garrett and I prayed together. Um, we did two things. We told God specifically what we wanted. We told them specifically what we wanted. We prayed that the coaches would see something in Garrett that they had to have on their team. We prayed that Garrett would find favor with all the coaches there that are decision makers. We prayed that God would guide their decisions. We prayed all that. We prayed specifically for each one of them by name, that they would choose Garrett um, so that he could go there. We prayed specifically for what we wanted. And then we prayed something that I would encourage you to pray with any circle you draw around anything. Because we were aware that just because we wanted Garrett to go there, that that might not be the best place for Garrett to go. It might not be where God wanted him to go. And so we paired this prayer that was specific, exactly what we want. We prayed this. We said, God, more than what we want, we want what you want for Garrett. God, more than what we want, and as badly as we want this, and as important as this is, we want what you want for Garrett's life. So God, would you please close the door to Brown if it's not the school you want him to go to and open up another door and please open up the door first before you close this one so we're not like freaking out. And so um, we continue to pray and I'll just tell you, we were completely open-handed in saying, God, if this isn't it, just show us the way. We were okay if that wasn't it. It would have been sad, but it was okay. So we continue to pray. We don't hear much from Brown. Um, Garrett gets an offer from Ithaca College in New York, and we're like, eh, we don't really like that place. We keep praying every day. Um, seven or eight schools are still talking to him. And then September 1 um, rolls around. They, the, the coach texts Garrett in the morning and, um, and says, hey, we're having a, a recruiting meeting this afternoon. Can you put all your film from this season on one tape, which wasn't very much because we had a terrible team this year. Um, and so I'm like, I'm like, well, let's put it all on one tape, and we'll see what happens. And we just prayed. We sent it to the guy about 4 o'clock that day. Um, 
um, the recruiting coach calls, and um, on the recruiting coach's phone is actually the head coach sitting in the room. They had just finished watching Garrett's film and on speakerphone, and he just says, hey, we just finished watching your film. Admissions just cleared you. We want you to be a Brown Bear. We think you'll make our team better, and so this is now an official offer. Would you, would you consider coming to Brown to be one of our, uh, you know, our, our slot, a slot receiver to play for us? You know, I'm on the phone with Garrett. I, he, they don't know I'm there. I'm just listening in on speakerphone. His, his smile is like, like around his head. I don't know if you can do that. But it was just the coolest moment because it was an answer to prayer, right? And so, uh, so the coach says, yeah, look, get back with me in 24 hours. And Garrett's like, okay. I think Garrett was like ready to go, yes, I'm in. But he said, okay, I'll call you back. We call him back like five hours later. But I, I will just say this. The coolest part of the whole process was, was Garrett's heart. What do we do? We drew a circle, prayer circle around this opportunity. And God answered Open the door to him getting into his dream school. And here's what's really cool. Um, I've already heard Garrett talking about this and saying, hey, we prayed for this and God answered our prayer. Who's getting the glory? God is. It's what happens when you pray specifically. It's what happens when you pray boldly and you pray specifically. See, most of us, we don't get what we want or we don't have God move on our behalf because we don't know what we want. We don't know what to circle in prayer. So I'll end this point this way. Um, Well-developed faith results in well-defined prayers, and well-defined prayers result in a well-lived life. Why is it a well-lived life? Because it will be full of specific prayers answered, and the answer being attributed to God. So before I get into this one last step, we're going to receive our offering. So ushers, if you guys can come on down. Um, for those of you that are regular attenders, thank you for, for being a part of what we're doing. Thank you for giving a year-end gift for those of you that are praying about that and maybe even giving today. Um, for those of you that are here for the first time um, or the first couple of times, let the basket go by. We're just grateful that you're here. This service is our gift to you. Uh, I don't want you to feel any pressure in this moment. Um, and uh, so... So one last step is pray boldly, pray specifically. And then lastly is this, pray through. Pray through. Pray until you get an answer. Pray until you get an answer. See, a lot of us, we don't actually get answers to our prayers by God because we quit praying. Like we pray for a short while, right? We hit, we hit start on the microwave prayer and a minute goes by and it dings and we don't have an answer. So we're like, well, I guess that didn't work and we move on. Praying through is all about not giving up, not quitting. The key to being a circle maker is once you draw a circle, it's you pray through until you get an answer. Even if that answer is a no, you pray through until you get that answer. Why? Because God honors persistent prayers. Let me just ask you this. What if the Israelites would have stopped after six times around the building, around the city? What if they would have just stopped after? What if they would have stopped circling after 12 times? And they just said, this is stupid. This isn't working. Nothing's happening. And they didn't hit that 13th time and blow the trumpets and yell. They would have forfeited the miracle that God had waiting for them on that last time around the city. And this is all about quality prayers, not necessarily um, quantity. It's quality it's gut-wrenching groans saying, God, would you do this for me? Would you do this for other people? It doesn't just bend his ear. It touches his heart. And I'm telling you, praying through is why I keep track of, of God's prayer answer, answers of prayer to me. 
Now I'll tell you, I started doing this a few years ago, and it was really interesting going back. I, I just this week I, I grabbed this my notebook, and this is where I have my prayers. And I'll just show you a page. This is this is my prayer page. These are all the things that I was praying for. Um, and you'll see a bunch of things crossed off. Um, being crossed off on this is actually a good thing. That means that I don't need to pray for you anymore because God's answered the prayer or whatever it is. So like you want to be crossed off when you're on my list. Um, uh, but really what's interesting is not that I have a list of things that I pray for because they're specific prayers that I want God to answer. What was really interesting is a few years ago I started keeping track of God's answers. And so I wrote them on the back of this page. I've got specific dates and specific ways that God answered my specific prayers. Like a page full. I can look back and go, oh my God, 16 was an awesome year. Look at all the prayers that God answered, specific, bold prayers that I prayed, some of them for an entire year that God answered. And so I've been doing that ever since. It's like I got a page of prayers and I've started on this one. And I'll just tell you, if you want to do something like this, let me encourage you. Um, this started This is started in August and already, look, the page is filling up in the last three months. God is already starting to answer specific, bold prayers that I'm praying with specific answers. And these have exactly what happened and the dates that they happened on. And guess who gets the glory every time I look at this? list not me it's God because what he's actually moving in my life he's actually answering bold specific prayers that I continue to pray just like he will yours if you're willing to start praying circles around the things in your life that you want God to do even if you don't know the words to pray God will still honor the time and the circles that you draw first John five fourteen. this will be the last verse that I share with you This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of them. And I just want to say this. I don't want to say God answers every prayer and gives you everything that you ask for, because he doesn't. There are some prayers that his answer is a no. There are some prayers that his answer is a maybe. There are some prayers that his answer is a wait. And then there's some prayers that are just a resounding yes. But what I do know is that as you begin to pray more in line with God, as you learn to pray boldly, specifically and persistently, do you know that your prayers will become more in alignment with God's will? And you'll begin to pray for the things that he's already doing and wants to do in your life. Prayer moves the heart of God, including the greatest miracle of them all, which is someone coming to faith in Jesus. And so I want to just take a moment because every week I know there are people here that want to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And maybe that's you today. Maybe that's the miracle that you came here to get. You didn't know it, but now you know that you need the miracle of salvation through Jesus Christ. And so I want to pray with you and give you the opportunity to invite Christ into your life, to step across the line of faith and just say, I believe. I believe that Jesus was God's son. I believe he died for my sin. And I believe that through him I can have salvation in heaven when I leave this earth and power on this earth to see God show up and do miracles on my behalf because I'm a child of his. So would everybody in here, would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? If that's you today and you're ready to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's your miracle that you're getting today, just the miracle of salvation. Just make my words your words and you can pray something like this. Just say it between you and God. Don't say it out loud. But God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross to pay for my sins and rose again. And I place my faith in him. 
I pray that you'll forgive me for my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges I'm up against. Help me see the way out that you provide for me when I'm tempted. Give me the power of your Holy Spirit to take that way out and guide me in drawing prayer circles around the things in my life that I need you to show up for me. So God, today I surrender my life to you. And Lord, for the rest of us, God, I pray that we would become a church full of circle makers that just pray boldly, come before your throne boldly. Whether we know you well or not, Lord, may we develop a prayer life where we come before you boldly. And we pray specifically about the things that we want to see you do and we pray through, continually praying until you show up and do what only you can do. And God, I thank you in advance right now for the prayers that you are going to answer because we become circle makers. In your holy name, amen.